There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com. It's time for a healthy dose of According to the Castles, the show where we talk about marriage, family, faith, health, nutrition, fitness, and so much more. And now, please welcome your hosts, Amy and Trey Castles. Well, minus the Trey, I have myself here and the amazing Valerie Maxim. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So Valerie has launched her book. When did you launch it? October 11th. It went live. And it's called Maximizing Life. Yes. I love how you took your last name Mm -hmm. and put it as a title, Maximizing Life. So what is Maximizing Life? Maximizing life. And when I was trying to put it to a, like a small definition, it's, it's quite a big definition, but the mm-hmm. smallest definition, maximizing life means freedom and the freedom to be you. So just helping people to unleash their inner superhero, I call it, you know, their true authentic self in all areas of their life, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, you know, all the different areas to work on and just take your life like just 1% further every day, you know, it's every day being mindful to do more, to be more and to believe more. So I have to tell you, You've been a huge inspiration to me. I'm going to oh. cry because and I know I <laughs> so. haven't seen you, but I've seen you online. I haven't seen you in person. I used to run into you all the time at Villa, and life was very different back then mm-hmm. for both of us, really. I mean, I was in a different place. I lived in a different place, and that was when I was in my 30s, and mm-hmm. we were teaching. Just life was so different, and you were in a different stage of life, mm-hmm. and I saw you progress and change and have these goals and dreams. And then you just went after it. 
and you did it. And where you've been such an inspiration to me is I know this may, this may sound bane to some people. I don't know. I don't care. But since I hit 40, like things started changing. Like it's weird. It's I'm like, what the hell is this back fat that just all of a sudden showed up? Like it's never been there before. So little things like that, just, you know, things kind of move a little bit south. And I have had people say, oh, well, you know, that's just what happens. Just deal with it. But I've thought of you every single time because in your 40s, you have gotten into the best shape of your life. And you started after 40. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit of your story that brought us into you writing this book? Okay, there's so much. I've known probably since I was 30 I was going to write a book. I just didn't know what it was about. It was in my heart to do it. It just wasn't the right timing. I went through a second divorce at 44 years old. I think I was almost 45. And I had never lived on my own, never worked on my own. And so I was just basically at that point in my life just – what do you do? I mean, I have my daughter with me. I've never had to be an income provider as a stay-at-home mom, you know, forever. And so in that process, I went to a friend's house. There was a life coach there. And to answer your question, we were talking and she was telling me, you know, you need to find a hobby. You need to have a hobby because I was so lost. I was so broken. I couldn't even answer her questionnaire. Like, what's your favorite restaurant? What kind of foods do you like? Where do you like to travel? You know, I couldn't even answer the basic things. I knew I was broken. Like when I say broken, I had lost my voice. Probably two years prior, I never spoke. I just was like as broken as broken could get. And so I decided, I'm like, you know, I need to find a hobby. So I started running. I ran the Houston Marathon. I was oh, pretty yeah. proud of that. I did it like mm-hmm. in five hours. I never stopped. But it wasn't my thing. I didn't. I hated running. Yeah. <laughs> but I was trying. I was trying new things. And I tried tennis. And, and that didn't work. And I went to coffee with a friend. And she's telling me about this bikini competition she's going to do. Now, back when I was 18, I was a gymnast, and I got married at 19. I got pregnant, so I got married at 19. And at that time, that husband, you know, he was not going to let me do a fitness competition. I wanted to do one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he even took my gym membership away. So that was a whole different time mm-hmm. in my life. So when I was talking to her, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I wanted to do that since I was 19. But look at me now. Like, I mean, I have four kids, stretch marks, all these things. I'm not getting on a stage in front of people in a swimsuit. Yeah. And I just let her talk, and but something kept eating at my heart. And I got home, and I went to look it up, you know, what she was telling me about it. And I just signed up for it. <laughs> I, like, oh I just signed up for the competition. And I have to say— And how old were you at that time? I did my first show at 46. Wow. Very close to that, 46, 45, somewhere in there. But, you know, that was just a very growing moment for me. Mm-hmm. But the fitness competitions in my health is way more than just like getting on stage. Like oh, yeah, for me, for sure. every single show I did, I had major breakthroughs. And that's when I began to start writing things down. Like, okay, just each competition, I just can't explain it, but just like breakthroughs that I've tried to work through my entire life. Because I think you're pushing so hard at a show. Your eating is so like, you know, everything is just so extreme. Yeah. And so when you're pushing to these extremes and you're like, hitting these things in your body that you never thought you'd get your body to look like. And then it's weird how it spills over because then it's like, oh, wow, I can do this in my business, in Mm -hmm. my friendships, in my relationships with my children. So that's kind of how I got into the, you know, to the fitness thing. It's been my outlet. It's been, you know. I think a lot of people look at doing fitness competitions as something that they want to do to achieve ultimate health or fitness. But it's not always the case. It is more of a mental and emotional and a sport. It's truly a sport. 
It is a sport that takes dedication, and any sport that you do that you're competing at is going to be a very emotional and mentally stressful mm-hmm. situation that you really have to work towards and have some major discipline. And you showed so much discipline, and you beat the odds, in my opinion, because I don't know. Like I said, I've talked to a lot of people. I talked to my doctor about this. I did my numbers and my body percent fat increased over the years, but my muscle tone decreased. And one of the biggest things I've ever been concerned about is losing muscle mass and then not gaining it back. But anytime that those limiting beliefs would feed into my brain, I would say, no, Valerie did it. You shaped your body. You put on muscle. You completely turned your entire structure around. And to me, you just took these statistics that people say, oh, this is what happens when you get close to 50. That is, right. No. And you always have to ask those things when people say, oh, this is what happens. This is just how it is in any area of life. Yeah. That's just somebody's opinion. It is. You know, and so that's the thing I try to be careful of, not just to believe someone's opinion, but rather look into the facts of it and try it and not just bow down in cave because someone says it can't be done. So what was the moment that it clicked for you and you said, oh my gosh, this is my book. And you just had the clear vision. What was that moment? Well, I started on the book 22 months ago. I think it was, it was two Januarys ago. And when I first wrote the book, it was not even anything like it is now. Writing my book has been a very healing thing. So I mm-hmm. wrote about things in there that I wouldn't put in my book. So it was really interesting how I was healing yeah. for the first year of writing it. And so I really didn't know for a while of what this book was going to do. I just kept writing and like, oh, I can't put that in there. Writing, oh, I can't put, you know, and, and just, so probably about six months ago, I finally was like, maybe nine months ago, I sat down with a friend who's kind of been by my side the whole time to help. And he's like, write your chapter names out, you know, like, we need mm-hmm. to, you know, get that right now. And when I did that, it just kind of started clicking and hitting. But it really did not click my book that this is my book and it's done till probably a month before it was done. Because then I was getting really? clarity and, and I looked at it and I'm like, this has to be a God thing or something. Because I did not put my chapters, like I didn't have any rhyme or reason for my chapters. I did all this myself. Now, mind you, in school, I graduated high school all the way through in English and writing with a D minus. I had ADD. I could not comprehend anything. I could no not wonder write anything. I've always liked you. This sounds exactly like <laughs> so, me. So writing this book was, you know, I had major obstacles. I put, uh, gave a company $8,000. They were a fraud. Oh. So um, I lost all of that. So literally everything in my book I did, I wrote it. I edited it. I did the formatting except for the last about 25% that I couldn't figure out. I designed the book cover. So this was... You know, it's like, okay, if something's spelt wrong or something, you know, I, I went over it so many times. So I'm just like, okay, give me some grace. I did, you know, yeah. the best I could on that. But self-published. Well, so far, everything that I've read, I'm about three quarters of the way through. I actually think it's perfectly written. I think it's perfectly lined out. I love how you introduce a topic and then you talk about kind of your own personal experience with it and you give really great metaphors in a lot of areas. Yeah, I learned by metaphors. So yeah. I, I can remember it if someone, you know, gives me a visual. Exactly. And but then you gave tips on how to overcome it. And I thought that was really good. And some of these books that are in the personal development genre, 
I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I know you or I th- maybe it's, I think it's because it's a great book. But I thought it was just perfect and on point to exactly what people are wanting without just going so long and dragging it out just to have a longer book. Like, yeah. why? There's a million books that people want to yeah. read right now. And I found that when people are hurting and in different places, the last thing they want to do is read a long book. I know. (laughs) It's like, give me the cliff note versions. Like, I need the ABC. Tell me quickly. It was short and simple and to the point without dragging on and without leaving me hanging. So, okay. One of the earlier chapters I really liked, you talked about building walls. And I thought that was interesting that you put this in your book. In the beginning, I was like, building walls with relationships, what does that have to do with accomplishing whatever it is you're trying to accomplish or goals Mm -hmm. or dreams? But you related building walls. And if you're building walls between relationships, then you're also going to build walls into blocking some of your goals and your dreams. Can you kind of connect that here? Yeah. So do you want me to kind of back up the order of the book? It might make a little more sense. So the first chapter, and make it super brief, was the dream that I had, the vision that I had about the airplane, basically letting go of the baggage. I had so much hurt and pain and disappointment and betrayal and, you know, watching my dad die at 12, like all these things that were just so having a husband that tried to kill me, all these things that were so overwhelming that I just didn't know how to let them go. I was holding on to them, but all that did was weigh me down. And so until I was able to forgive myself, forgive others, and when that happened, then I was to the point of, okay, now I need to figure out self-love because I allowed a lot of things in my life to happen because I didn't have self-love. I didn't have boundaries. So when men would treat me certain ways, I was okay with it like because I didn't, I didn't love myself. Like I didn't even know how to, to put a boundary there. And then I had to go into all this negative self-talk that I had, you know, of things that I was told in my marriage. You're not pretty. You're fat. You never can be anything. You know, you didn't go to college. You could never make money. You could never make it on your own. Like I've heard this for years and years and years, and it gets ingrained. Yeah, and does. because of all my hurt in the times I was vulnerable and put myself out there, I got hurt. So then I put walls up because I'm like, well, you're not going to hurt me again. So walls went up. And so that was kind of the premise of the first thing. And then when you get to that point in your life and you work through that, I feel like you're ready to start setting some goals. And that's when I went into the formula that I wrote for my goal setting. But you can ask the next question and go on for the rest. Awesome. (laughs) No, I think that's perfect. But you said if you're building Mm -hmm. walls in all of your relationships, Mm -hmm. it spills over into your own goals, right? Right. right, Because you can't. So for me, I had such walls up that I had everybody here. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're good, bad, meant to be in my life. You're not coming any closer. And what I realized was, I don't even know how much good I've kept out, how many opportunities or, or you know, because oh, when, okay. like when, when, you're, when you're meeting people, you're going to networking events and somebody's mm-hmm. just so closed off, they're sitting in the back, they're not participating, they're, okay. they're not engaging, they, I had lost my voice. Well, I'm missing out on so many things, but I'm also feeling like, well, I'm protecting myself so no one can hurt me. So it's a catch-22. You're trying to protect yourself, but then you're also not allowing yourself to have the things to come into your life that need to come. And so I realized when my walls started coming down is when literally the floodgates have started to opening in my life. You know, it's interesting. I never knew this until a few years ago and or never really thought about it. But there are people who look, they have a resting bee face, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. And they appear to be super snobby and stuck up. The body language of someone being snobby and stuck up is actually the same yes. as someone who is shy or insecure or has their walls up. Yes. And that was me for years. 
Well, if it makes you feel any better, <laughs> maybe you didn't have walls up with me, but I did not ever think that about you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Never. So yeah. I know that sometimes it's easy to think back to times in our life and the people that were in it at that time. But I've always felt comfortable around you too. So okay, I think good. it was more like that with people that I might've felt like inferior by or whatever, or less yeah. than, or I don't know, but certain people I was, but you are always so welcoming and fun and exciting. And okay, good. All right. Good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. I look around sometimes at the room and I try not to judge those people who are really judge at all because you just right. really never you know. You never know what somebody's going through. I mean, the guy at the gas station having a horrible day that, you know, just lost his cat. Yeah. And you're like, God, guy's a jerk. Right. It's like, what? the guy just lost his cat, man. Right, right. Just tell him to have a great day. Yeah. You know? Okay. So distractions and saying no and losing focus. So you talked about accomplishing your goals and having your goal in mind, but what that means for other opportunities that come up in between. Yes. Because that's so, a huge to so yes So I people. have total ADD. And mm-hmm. so when I wrote this, it was when I sat down with a business coach, he was like, I only want you to work on two or three things at a time, period. Because every new MLM company, everything I was signing mm-hmm. up for, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I uh-huh. want to do this. So you probably know through the years we've done a lot. Yeah, I think I called so, you. <laughs> so, you know, in, in, but I'm trying to focus on right now getting my book written and I'm trying to, you know, focus on my life coaching classes that I'm taking you know, all the things that I'm doing. It had to come to a point that I had to say no to some things on my list. And I'd say, yeah. okay, right now I'm working on one, two, three. And that's all I can do. And mm-hmm. so it really helped me when I did that. So when people ask for things or, hey, you got to check this company out or whatever, I think about that and I say, okay, awesome. Not right now. I'm not saying no forever, but right now it's just not going to fit on my plate. Just learning how to mm, just like keep that. the focus because that's the only way I got my book done. Yeah. That's the only way that I've been you know, able to get all these things done because I would have 25 things on my plate every day that were all important, but I had to figure out what... It's like I said in the book, I'm a jack of all trades, but nothing's yeah. getting done. Like I'm doing all these things, but nothing is like completely. I, I relate to it 100%. <laughs> I also think that it goes along too with how we view ourselves and how we care about ourselves and our security level. Because for myself, looking for affirmation and security from other people for so long, when someone would ask me to do something, I'm like, <gasps> right. Me? Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe they had asked me. Right. So even if it was some stupid canned pitch, like, hey, I thought you would be really great at this. Hey, I was thinking about you, and I just thought that you would really enjoy this product. I'm like, totally falling for it. Right. Don't call me people. <laughs> I'm, I'm much smarter about it now. <laughs> but it's easy to say yes mm-hmm. to so many things, and it does not align with what your goals are. Okay, so I love that chapter. Okay, this is a big one I thought was really cool, and I never thought about this either. Oh, my gosh. There have been so many times in my life where I had ideas about something. Now, I'm also an idea queen, so you know I've got tons of business ideas always pop in my head. But there have been many times, including this podcast, where I told someone about it and someone close to me, and they said no and gave me reasons why it wouldn't work. And you made a point and you said, they're projecting. It's because they wouldn't want to do it. Right. They know they couldn't do it. So it's almost like sometimes it's even family or close people will say things and they're they're just trying to protect you because in their mind, yeah. I could never do that. And that would right. be too hard. And that's going to take too much time and too much money. And how would you do this? And how would you, you know, so they're projecting that on you and saying, no, but when it's, when it's put in place within you, you have to also take a step back to really 
ask yourself, is this really important? Is this something I really feel called to do? And you have to make your decision. Not If we, if we ask 10 people, we're going to get 10 different answers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's been multiple times with Trey, and he's not here to defend himself, so I'm totally <laughs> going to rat him out. But he says no to me a lot on a lot of stuff, and it's most of it is anything that it might give me a commitment. It's because he doesn't like commitments. Right. He gets a little tight when it comes to commitments. Sorry, Trey, love you, but you do, and <laughs> uh-huh. you know it. And so then I end up like, oh, yeah, I really want to do that. But I mean, if I really want it. Right. I'll get it. Right, yeah. Trey gives right. in. So. Right. But yes, projecting on others is a huge deal. All right. What is your daily action plan? What is this? You wrote a chapter about okay, your daily yes. action plan. So about that. what I'm talking about in the formula. So when I wrote my formula, F plus C is M square. So when you have your goal, and let's just say weight loss, because that's an easy goal to say here. Let's say your goal is weight loss. You're going to be focusing and you're going to be consistent on that goal. And what I mean by that is I'm going to have someone write down 15 things that could get you to your goal, whatever that is. If you're wanting to do weight loss, what are 15 things you can even think of in your head that you could do that could help you to lose weight? Everybody could have different things. I mean, it could be, you know, doing your cardio, cutting sugar. You know, there's just all the things you can do, right? Going on walks. And then once you have that list, I have you circle the top three that you would commit. Like, I mean, commit. I'm talking like sunrise, sunset. You're going to commit for the next 90 days or 60 days, whatever you say. And I want you to do it the entire time, you know, and commit to that. And if you do commit to that, I am confident that you are going to, it's motivation and momentum. You're going to find motivation because you're going to see results happening. You're going to see the results, you know, because of the actions. It's not about looking at the weight on the scale because that gets people deterred and frustrated and this isn't working. And so keeping your eyes off that, but focusing on the actions, not the outcome of the scale number. And if you're consistent with that in that time frame, I believe you're, you're going to see results and it's going to motivate yeah. you. And then that motivation is going to create momentum because now you're going to have some belief in yourself. Oh my gosh, like I did these things for 60 or 90 days and, and I saw these results and now I'm so excited. So now it builds their belief because we all start at different levels. Some people don't believe they can even do it, right? So when you stick to it and you see the results, then you get so excited. Now you're that momentum speeds you into now you want to do more. Oh my goodness, I'm going to run a little faster. Okay, I'm, I'm going to cut yeah. a few more calories. I'm going to, you just, because you see it working. Okay, see, this is so simple and perfect. <laughs> I, I love that. You have them write down 15 things and that will get you right. closer to the goal and then pick your top three. Right. And that's what you commit to. Mm-hmm. And I think that where a lot of people make the mistake is they have the dream, they have the goal, but they're not doing that step. They're just... I've heard in general terms, do one thing per day that brings you towards the goal. Mm -hmm. And if you're choosing a new action step each day, you get lost in it. You're not committed to it. It's not habitual. And with people like me that have ADD, I just need it simple. I need it to be like, okay, I can do those three things. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, you just, because once you just get in the routine of it, it gets easy. Do you have any natural remedies for ADD? (laughs) (laughs) Any mushrooms? No, I don't. I I wish I had something for that. I heard that there's a mushroom. I can't remember what it's called, but it's actually like nature's... Lion's mane or something. Yeah, something like that. Chaga? No, no, I don't know. (laughs) It's one. I know that one of the companies has a really great one. I haven't tried it yet. Okay, so when you decided to write your book, is that when you also started to pursue life coaching? So I always wanted to do life coaching. But again, when I was married, I was told I'll be a terrible life coach and all the things, you know, so I just was kind of crushed that little, that dream. So 
It was about seven, almost eight years ago when I divorced. I went to the John Maxwell program. Oh, went yeah, to Florida and I got my life coaching through him. Was super excited about it, like ready to go. Like this yeah. is what I'm going to do. And for me, I don't know. Everybody's different, but this is just personal for myself. I just couldn't do it because I hadn't come out the other side of my stuff yet. Yeah. I mean, I know you can be book smart and teach it, but for me, I have so much passion whenever I can say, I did this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching you, but I've been there. I've come out. So I know. So I didn't start my life coaching until maybe a year, a year and a half ago that I've taken on clients because I had to get to a place that I don't know. I just felt confident in it because now I know when I'm talking and I'm sharing that I've done it. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with three different life coaches mm -hmm. and you and I were talking about this before the episode. There's a coach for everything. So mm -hmm. when people think, uh, hire a life coach. That seems so bougie. I, that could never be me. I could never do something like that. But in a second, they'll go buy a, a coach for their daughter's volleyball exactly. or their son's basketball or a strength and conditioning coach because their kid's running track. But coaches are not just for health coaches. They're not just for business. They're not just for one particular area of life. Can you talk a little bit about different styles right. of coaching? You know, there's so many different styles and I will write framework, but I don't write out specific programs because I individualize every person. I really listen to them. And basically coaching just provides a safe place that's quiet for you and the other person. I do it through Zoom. Sometimes somebody just needs some quiet and to think, you know, you're, you're in the, hus the hustle and bustle every day with husband, kids, work, and and you don't ever have that hour just to sit down and, and try to work through some things that you're trying to work through. We, we get stuck in life. You know, things yeah. happen. We get stuck in different areas, and it, and it holds us back. So sometimes just having a life coach to sit down, you talk. A good life coach, like I like to say, is like a good attorney that knows how to ask the right questions and listen. So I do yeah. a lot of listening when I'm life coaching. I do more listening than talking because I want to really hear what you're saying and what you're not saying. And, you know, by me asking the questions as you're talking, you're coming up with your own answers. Oh, yeah. So I'm not giving you your answers. You're coming up with them. And we then, intuitively have the right, right you answers. You have the answer. You need someone to say it yes, out loud to. Right. And then once you have it, you're like, you're going to stick with it because nobody told you to do that. So yeah. you're more likely to follow through and do what you know than, you know, if someone just tells you what to do. This is why you're going to benefit better by hiring a life coach than flying around to all these different seminars. And I'm not saying don't do, I think there's right. a great too, right. but you're listening. Mm -hmm. But when you're with a life coach, you're talking mm -hmm. and you're sharing and you're working things out and you're having your own epiphanies. Mm -hmm. If someone wanted to hire a life coach for a season. Let's just say that they wanted to have you for three months. Is that something that they could do and then move on and do a different life coach and yeah. learn different things? Absolutely. You know, some people, you know, take a little bit longer. I've even had people that say, you know, because of the financial reasons, they just buy it by the hour. You know, like they'll be like, I mean, you know, they'll be like, yeah. hey, you know, I don't have a lot, but can we talk this week for an hour, get on a Zoom? You know, so I'm pretty flexible in that. But I would say, yes, anywhere from three to six months is kind of the average because we don't get stuck in our places overnight. Yeah. And like what I tell people, it's kind of like we're an onion, you know, like so we might talk one time and we might take one layer off. And the next time, eight layers might come off. And then the next time you might not feel like really anything came off. And then the next time you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm only down to this little bit. Like it's a process and everybody heals and everybody works through their stuff at, you know, at a different time frame. So it's, it just, it just depends. It's everybody's different. Yeah. I know that the different coaches that I've used 
everybody is different in their own way. And mm-hmm. people have said, well, which one would you recommend? I'm like, uh, <laughs> right. Right. I it's can't just, really yeah. answer that. Yeah. I've learned something valuable, mm-hmm. really valuable by each of them. Yeah. I would love to work with you sometime. <laughs> yeah. I think that it would yes. be awesome. I think it's like hiring a really, really great friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're paying, people yeah. pay for dating. They yep. pay for all kinds of things. You know, I'm, I I'm, a, I'm really a life coach and I like having life coaches when I can sit down and talk to them just because yeah. it just, you know, we, we're not given a manual with life. Like, you know, how yeah. does this work out? And I don't know, like for myself with life coaching, it just helped me get unstuck. I didn't realize how stuck I was in certain areas of my life. And what do you mean by stuck? Well, okay, let me just take it to one of the biggest things that I had a breakthrough with. So my dad passed away at 12 mm-hmm. and I was the last one with him and I saw it. The next day we never spoke about it. It was kind of like life just goes on. And, you know, I love my mom and she feels bad when I say that. And mom, I'm not trying to make you feel bad at all. She did the best, you know, at the time because her counselor said, just keep life as normal as possible. So, you know, she tried to keep it as normal. But, you know, that thing alone, whenever I went through my own life coaching and really dug deep and really did some work and some, you know, on myself, I realized on my own, I figured this out that by not addressing, you know, I, I say time doesn't heal all things. So at 12 years old, and now I'm 50 years old at this time when this happened, I realized I created patterns in my life because I didn't heal at 12. And so what what the pattern I created was when anything traumatic happens, I immediately put it under the rug as if it didn't happen. So I created patterns with men that I dated or was married to that cheated on me. And the second they would cheat, I would be like, where are we going to dinner? Let's go to a movie. Like, let's plan a vacation. And, you know, I would have friends look at me like, what's wrong with you? You know? But I, I could never figure that out. I just thought I was, oh, I'm this good person. I'm so forgiving. I, you know, I just forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. And I'm a doormat. But I, when I realized that through coaching, but like a lot of things that are that deep, when you're in life coaching for things, you don't, like I said, the onion, there's just certain, it comes off. So I love life coaching with people because you just never know, you know, when you're going to hit that big breakthrough or different things. And it just literally changes the trajectory of their life. And it's like, wow, that's like, for me, it's just so rewarding. There was a moment where I was with mine, a life coach, and Avery and I were having, you know, teenage mom. You know mm-hmm. this because yeah. you have three teenage girls or three girls. They're I have not- two, two girls and two boys. Okay. Well, the girls were teenage mm-hmm. teenager at once. And you know the issues that they start going through and battling mm-hmm. with mom back and forth. And my life coach says, well, you're battling yourself. Everything that she does is exactly you, but you've already moved past those things Mm -hmm. and she's now in it and it Mm -hmm. gets on your nerves. Right. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) and then I realized, oh my gosh, she's right. Mm -hmm. She's my daughter's just like me. She's me. Mm -hmm. And that's why it bugs me. And we just had the, it was just this huge epiphany moment and it was so valuable. It changed everything Mm -hmm. between my daughter and I. Right. So when I go by and I see all the cabinets open, I'm like, I literally did that. In junior high, I left in high school. I left every cabinet open, right? And it, it's just it changes everything. So, tell me a little bit about limiting beliefs. So, limiting beliefs are things that you know hold us back. So, a lot of people grow up with limiting beliefs as money doesn't grow on trees. You know, like you have a lot of beliefs around money, like you know, money's evil. Money's not for you know we're, we don't have money in our family. That's not just that's not who we are. And so people will grow up with these beliefs to think that, you know, they're never, 
they're not made to have more in life. And I'm not saying like money's not happiness or anything, but it definitely does give you better options in life. You know, when you can, you know, be successful and, you know, succeed in life, it's yeah. easier. You can't or, put wells in Africa right, without right. money. Or like limiting beliefs are, you know, I was told, well, you didn't go to college, so you're never going to make any money. Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, you're too old to do that. You could never do that. You can do a bodybuilding competition. You're, you're past your age. Or, you know, and you get these beliefs in your head because it's usually things that people have spoken over you. You know, and I was in a few relationships where I was always, my looks was always put down. Like, you know, you're not pretty. That girl over there is pretty. You're too fat and pinch things. And so I had all these beliefs built in me for years. But even though people can look at me and say that's not true, but when you hear it for like 20 years, you start believing it. So it becomes a limiting belief. You know, so whenever I did divorce, I was so hard on myself. I had my my IMs, I would say. I could not say the words. And, and you know, and. The people I work with, most of the women cannot say, I am beautiful. They can't say it. I mean, that I work with. They cannot, those words cannot come out of their mouth. And that's such a shame. Yeah. Why can't you say that? And they'll, they'll all have something. Well, you know, my mom said this, or a friend said this, or a boyfriend said this, or my husband said this. And, you know, it's like, that's a limiting belief because we're all beautiful. I mean, everybody is beautiful in their way. I mean, you know, and so it took me saying, I am beautiful out loud, like, every day for like four years, I'm not even kidding, maybe five, before I could even kind of sort of believe it. Mm-hmm. And it, so it was a process, you know, it's just a whole thing. But that was a really hard limiting belief for me. And, and with that, it tied to if I was prettier, I would have a husband that would be good to me and love me. And that's why I don't have one because I'm not pretty. It all intertwines with these beliefs yeah. just start, you know, filling your head and, and it comes in and, you know, your worth and you're not valuable and, and if you were this, then you would have that. And it's just this mind game that goes on in your head. So I had this analogy once where I just, I don't know, I just randomly came up with it one day. And it was basically, if we were to get out of the shower and be standing there, you know, drying off, putting on a lotion, our husband came by and said, oh my gosh, you look terrible. You are fat. Seriously, you're fat. You got like a lot of cellulite on your ass right now. And you're really white and you're pasty. Like if he said that, <laughs> yeah, no. can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, and then, no. so then he walks away and then you were to go get dressed and put on a nice dress, it, like put on your Spanx and put everything in. And then he came around the corner and said, oh my gosh, that looks way better. Great. Yeah. You look hot. Like that's, that's great. You would be like, yeah, thanks a lot, jerk. Yeah. You would remember what he just said. You would not forget it. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with us. If yes. we're saying those things mm-hmm. about ourselves. Just yes. because it's ourselves saying it doesn't mean that we didn't just beat ourselves up the same way if somebody else talked to us. Right. So it was that moment when I figured that out or realized that. I don't even remember when that was. I think like 2014, I think. Right. I started saying when I got out of the shower, right. you are hot. Exactly. Oh, you are sexy. I say it to yeah. myself. Yep. And you know, like what you said, I just want to say it on this. So when someone says that over you, had they really said that over you, those words get stuck in your subconscious. And yeah. you, so that's why I'm a big believer in speaking your I am's out loud so uh-huh. that your subconscious can hear it. Like you, like you said, you look in the mirror, I am sexy, I am hot. Like you say these things, your words literally create your world. Mm-hmm. So you have to really start thinking about, you know, how do I talk? Like, what do I say just on, you know, every topic, you know, if you're always going to, I know people that say, everything's doom and gloom. You know, I, I, I don't have any money. I'm always broke. I can't do this. I can't do that. This, nothing ever works out for me. You know, I, I don't have luck. I'm, I mean, just, you can hear the energy coming down when I'm saying this. Yeah. And then you look at their life and it lines up with it. And what I have seen in my life is when I changed my words 
And it took time. But when I changed it, it my world started changing. Uh-huh. Anytime somebody says anything negative towards me, and it doesn't matter. It could be completely innocent. Right. It could be, oh my gosh, you are such a mess. Mm-hmm. I'll say, uh, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I just have a lot on my plate right now. <laughs> right. And I will literally right. say that just right. re- Right, because you don't want that to go into your, yeah. I don't even want it stuck right. to me mm-hmm. at all. And then like with Avery, she, oh my gosh, like, like I said, love her to death. She is 15 and leaves all the towels on. She's total teen, right? Right, right, right. Leaves all the wet towels on the yeah. ground, yeah. leaves all the stuff out. Well, I don't go in her room and say, Avery, you are such a slob. Right. Because if I said that every single day, then right. she would become, she would now grow up with the belief, I am a slob. Right, yes. Instead, I say, Avery, you are so clean and organized. This is not you. Right. Clean up the towels, or you're getting. Right, right, I'm right. taking away your phone. Right. Yes. It's your words are yes. so powerful. Right. So, what is the future for you? What are where are you moving from here? What's going on? The future for me. I mean, I just have such a heart to help people because I feel like, I feel like you know, like you get up the mountain, and you know, I mean, that's just just an iceberg. This is a tiny little bit of what I've been through. I've been through so many things, but when you've come through it and you're up you know, you're like having your victory and you're happy and you see all these people that are not there, you want to turn around and help them up. And so it's like, I've always been an encourager, like my whole life. That's just been something who I just naturally, I don't even try, like it's just who I am. It's just a part of my DNA. And so I just love to build some belief in people. There's a lot of people I talk to that they'll tell me, I don't have anyone in my life that says positive things over me. And you know, when you can just be in a setting where you're speaking and you're you know, my heart is to public speak. And that's another thing, because like you said, I was always told, because when my dad passed away and we didn't speak of it, panic attacks began in sixth grade. And I didn't know what that was. So I didn't tell anybody, thought I was dying, became super quiet because I mean, my gosh, like what's going on? You know, you just, you just like internalize. And they didn't know what that was. No. And then I was labeled as shy my entire life. So my whole life, I'm just believed I was shy because everybody said I was shy, like my whole life. But inside, I knew I wasn't. Inside, I knew I could see myself speaking in stadiums and to people. And and it's even way back, like as a child, I've seen this for so long. So, you know, my next thing, my passion is really just to, you know, to speak. And there's just so many topics I can speak on. So um, many topics. And just, you know, just to encourage. People just need a little encouragement. And I can, they get this much hope and it can change the trajectory of their life because they go from feeling like nothing can ever change to wait a minute. Okay, if I tried that, maybe I haven't tried that, maybe things could change. And you encourage them to, you know, to do that and they do and then it just it changes their world. So that's my next thing. <laughs> I love that I love that you said hope. We did a whole episode on hope and I I think it's interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking about the girl that we were talking about, Hope. And I have had multiple friends in my life just recently through the years that have had extreme physical abuse, like you, extreme physical abuse and extreme verbal abuse and many other types of neglect Mm -hmm. and and abuse in every way you can think of. And to see you come to where you are now is completely just a miracle. I think it's amazing because it's not the statistic. It really isn't. And people need to hear your story and they need to be inspired by you and learn a little bit about you and your life and where you're going. And it does take time. And so also when you're saying like, it has taken me seven years to take time out of my life. When I divorced almost eight years ago, now mind you, I went from high school to pregnant, married, 
divorced, married again in six months to on my own at 44, 45. Like, so I had to take a time out to be like, okay, I got to, you know, figure this out. But this, this whole thing is just taken the last, like I said, seven years, I decided I'm going to figure me out. However long it takes, like I wanted to date. I wanted to just jump right back in into getting married, but I knew I had to heal. I knew I had to figure, you know, these things out. So I feel like on my journey, I have so many notes and so many things I haven't even put in here that I can talk on, you know, just to help people like, yeah, I've been there. Okay. So just for, and I'll say the G-rated version, just for (laughs) chips and giggles, (laughs) how much muscle mass did you put on and how much body percent fat did you lose from the time that you first started? You know, I I don't even know the numbers. I've never had that checked. Really? I know. That's so interesting. When I had my coaches, I would always ask them, do I need to know my body fat? Yeah. And they were like, no, we're going by a look. And so, you know, but I've always naturally carried a lot of muscle. I Mm -hmm. was a gymnast and my body type, I've just always had, you know, the muscle, but I don't know. I would say I've done some of those fun machines that you kind of go on when I'm doing a show, but I don't, I think I have the lowest I've ever gotten might be 11%. Like, I mean, it's not like crazy low, Yeah, that's not maybe 10, but I don't think any lower than that. I just know that after 40, it's so important to keep your muscle mass because I, I don't there's a woman that I want to have on this podcast. She's 103 years old and she lives alone. She is super independent and still is smart and completely cognitive. <laughs> and you can't get to that point if you did not stay strong, stay healthy. Yes. And I, I don't know. I just, I've seen, I guess this is on my mind because, oh, and you talked about this in your book. I'm sorry. I know we sound like we're closing it out. And then I bring up something else. But you talked about removing the clutter in your life. Well, I was just at my aunt's house and she was a hoarder, which I want to do an episode on that because that was a huge, huge deal. And she was overweight. Her health was completely downhill. She couldn't leave hardly, but she was a hoarder. And so it was all compiled. She was buried alive, literally. And she died way too young. I mean, she died a week before her 70th birthday. And that's, that's way too young. Right. That's golden years. Right. Yeah. You should have your independence. (laughs) So having strength and having your balance and your flexibility Mm -hmm. are things that you still want to work out and it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. Mm-mm. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for bringing, is that book for me? That book's for you, yes. Yay! Okay, are you going to sign it? <laughs> I will sign it. Awesome. Okay. To Amy, A-M-Y. No, I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and just sharing your story and sharing your heart. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of According to the Castles with Amy and Trey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. To stay up to date with the castles, follow Amy on Instagram at acastles. Until next time, have faith, enjoy life, and love abundantly. There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. 
It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com.